Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and this next set of lectures is going to be on CT of the small bowel and mesentery, focusing on the small bowel. And we've done some lectures on this topic in the past, and this is a lecture I put together for our recent course in Las Vegas, literally about two days ago, and I thought I would share with you some of the thoughts and comments I had from that course. If you're at the meeting, and I wish more of you were there, but we, it was a terrific meeting, it was just after the volcano, and in fact, I was making the point about excuses, and I had uh, co helped someone write a paper, and I sent it back to them, and they had not received it. And you know, all of us are often late, and we have stories, you know, the dog ate the homework type stories, but this is the best story, because I couldn't have made this one up. This is from the Federal Express website to see what happened to my package. A volcano eruption in Iceland has delayed FedEx shipments to and from Northern Europe. This is the likely reason it has not arrived yet. It is, however, now in France, so hopefully you will be seeing it soon. It does not show an estimated day or time of arrival. So it's an incredible excuse, but hey, take all excuses you can get. All right, small bowel. Comments. You can do small bowel with oral contrast, and we routinely do. The question is really, is it positive or neutral contrast? And of course, IV contrast is critical. Injection rates ideally in the 4 to 5 cc range. And if you look at some of the numbers, when we give water, we give water about 1,000 cc's over about 30-minute period. Same numbers are true with positive or neutral contrast. Now, with positive contrast, we use oral omnipaque. And uh, the reason we use that compared to hypake, compared to gastrin, there are many good reasons. It's safer if the patient has a perforation. If it's aspirated, it's safer. It does not give peritonitis. Uh, it's well accepted by patients because you should taste it yourself. If you put oral omnipake uh, solution and you drink it, it tastes like water. It doesn't have any of that bitter taste. You don't need to flavor it if you don't want to. It tastes like water. So it's very uh, easy for the patients to drink it, even patients who aren't feeling well. And we have like 100% compliance. And it, because it's so dilute, it does not give patients problems like hypake or uh, solutions like that, gastric and do. So uh, just a perfect contrast agent. And we did some work way back a couple of years ago showing that if you took a gallon of water for every 10 cc's of Omni 350 and you get about 20 cc's, 20 Hounsfield units of attenuation increase. So if, we, if you put in uh, 100 cc's, you got a density value of about 200. When the patient drinks it, it tends to uh, have a little bit of water resorption. So you're talking about anywhere between 210 and 240 Hounsfield units, which just ends up being perfect. If you're trying to do things like a, a CT enterocolysis, you might dilute it a bit more, put less positive omnipake in, and get a target of about 70 Hounsfield units. So those are two things to consider. And just to show you some examples, positive contrast, nice case of Crohn's disease, thickened bowel folds, a real prominent, um, you see very nicely the, the mucosa and the folds of the small bowel. Uh, again, with this positive omnipake solution, there's none of the flocculation, there's no artifact, so it looks very nice. Or in this example of a patient with lymphoma, nice mesenteric mass, contrast in small bowel, contrast in large bowel, displacing the bowel by the mesenteric mass, very classic appearance for lymphoma. Point to make in this case is that a few people have done some studies, I think at least one of them is published, that shows if you use oral omnipake, it has faster transit time than uh, other contrasts like gastrograph and abarium. It's not substantially different, but it's faster, and anything faster is surely better than anything the same or slower. When we do typical dedicated small bowel studies, we are doing with isotropic resolution. 
We'll typically do two phases for most applications from GI bleeding to tumor searching um, or any of those applications in between. Uh, and again, the importance of uh, looking at the images beyond the axial plane is very clear. A lot of what we see is only appreciated with volume or MIP imaging. We use all three, axials, 3D imaging, as well as multiplanar reconstruction. And typically the coronal is the most valuable of the NPR. The sagittal can be valuable at times. A number of different articles. Here was an article on mesenteric disease uh, that we published last year. The ability to review CT image data in three planes facilitates an understanding of normal anatomy and helps characterize the scope of pathology. And uh, that article also went on to say, in comparison with axial images and multiplanar, 3D volume rendering adds incremental value when evaluating the small bowel mesentery because of the complex anatomic configuration. And we're not the only ones who found this to be true. This is an article literally a decade ago. Koali, reforming CT scans in multiple planes provides a new perspective the evaluation of small bowel obstruction and may be useful in defining and characterizing obstructions. And it's not just the radiologist who finds it helpful. In that same realm, this article by Shah, coronal images generated at the scanner console are complementary to axials and improve reader confidence. Surgeons find coronals more helpful than axial images for management because it's easier to see the site of obstruction. It's easier to see transitions. You have a better understanding. And in fact, surgeons considered the coronals more informative uh, in 76.6% of cases, so three quarters of the time. So indeed, very impressive numbers. And just some simple examples. Here's a patient with a history of Crohn's, distal bowel resection. Volume rendering nicely shows you the transition of dilated distal small bowel into an area of focal stricturing near the anastomosis. You can see the mesenteric vessels. And of course, when you put it into MIP, that pass-through uh, brightest type image, you see the suture lines a little bit better. You see the vessels. You don't really appreciate the bowel quite as well, but again, you do see the area of stricture. So again, very nice visualization. Or sticking with Crohn's disease, this example of dilated bowel with focal strictures with prominent vessels, the so-called prominent vasorecta, um, which means the patient has active disease, which means these patients will be treated more aggressively based simply on the CT appearance. And look at the detail of the vasorecta. Now, Sometimes people do argue, and you can say, well, you know, I would have appreciated the axial imaging, but let me show you really how that's not always the case. This is a patient who has cirrhosis, and we were looking for hepatoma. The patient also had a history of GI bleeding, but it was presumed, I guess, GI bleeding was due to the patient's varices, which the patient had. But take a look at this case. Look at the patient's proximal bowel. See, there's a very subtle enhancing lesion, which is very easy to miss, which in fact was missed on the axials. But, but look at that lupus jejunum now. Look at, there's multiple hypervascular foci present. Now, it's easier to see in the coronal than it is in the axial, but look how it looks on 3D. On the 3D, look at the number of different hypervascular lesions. These were all areas of vascular malformations within the proximal jejunum, which was the cause of the patient's bleeding. Look how nicely you could see them. Another set of images, compare the MIP image to the routine coronal. Look how easy it is to see in the patient's uh, MIP image. So again, vascular lesions may only be seen in three dimensions, and MIP is particularly good. Another example, 
dilated bowel patient presents with SBO. This patient had a right colon cancer, was on chemotherapy. Question was now tumor recurrence. Was it a post-op ileus? Was it a hernia? What was going on? And when you look carefully, you can see the bowel is really edematous all the way down. It's not an internal hernia. When you look at it from a sagittal perspective, you really can appreciate the edema of the bowel wall. This was enteritis secondary to chemotherapy. The patient's chemotherapy was stopped. The patient did fine. Or this case, this is a very unusual case. Looks like graft versus host disease, but this patient did not have a bone marrow transplant. This was CMV enteritis in an HIV patient or in an AIDS patient. Look at the mucosal enhancement. Look at the prominent vasorecta. Just a beautiful example showing you the pathology. Again, easiest to see within the volume display. And you can follow the loops, you can follow the vessels. What we're doing as we speak about is maximizing information. So we don't see an obstruction, we see this tremendous enteritis. So let's look a bit more at small bowel obstructions. When you look at small bowel obstruction, typical causes are adhesions, inflammatory bowel disease, tumors, and hernias. At the turn of the last century, the most common thing in 80% of cases would have been hernias. Now hernias are uncommon, and the most common thing, of course, is adhesions. Neoplasms still make up a small part of obstruction. Now, when you think about small bowel obstruction, you really need to make the diagnosis and you need to answer some questions. Okay, what are the questions? Does the patient have SBO or the symptoms suggesting SBO related to another condition? If the patient does have a small bowel obstruction, is it partial? or is it complete? And if the patient has a small bowel obstruction, can we define its cause? Does this patient need surgical management or medical management? Is it something which needs to be operated on immediately or you can watch the patient? We typically classify obstructions into two types, simple and complicated. Simple obstruction, intermittent or partial obstruction. Simple can also be prolonged, complete or high-grade obstruction and complicated, which means off to surgery, closed loop or incarcerated obstruction, and strangulation. In most patients with simple obstruction, you have a good clinical outcome, but clinical outcome, as with all small bowel obstructions, often is related to time. If surgery is delayed more than 24 hours, the mortality is up to 25%, but with a more timely surgery, it's in the 1% to 8% range. Obviously, untreated, it's 100% fatal. Now, things you look for in terms of CT, we look for wall thickening. Typically, the wall is a couple of millimeters. If you can measure it, it's too thick. We look for abnormal enhancement. Now, I'm not going to speak to you about ischemia. In fact, at my course, Mike Federley did. But we talk about enhanced bowel, the white bowel, or the black bowel, hyperemia, or low flow states. We talk about position as in a hernia or malrotation. And we talk about secondary findings within the mesenteric fat as commonly seen in Crohn's disease. So small bowel obstruction, what do we look at? Bowel loop, cross-section over two and a half centimeters. The small bowel feces sign, which was initially described with cystic fibrosis, but it means that proximal to an obstruction, you see what looks like fluid and model density in small bowel looks almost like feces, and you could follow this down to the transition and find the exact site of obstruction. You see small bowel wall thickening, changes in enhancement, and again, we always look for transitions. So here's a nice example. We look at this case, dilated small bowel, we follow it down, lots of fluid in small bowel, and you can see in the proximal bowel, there's what looks like a mottled appearance. There it is right there, into ileum. That is the feces sign, and here it is on a coronal display. You see the multiple dilated loops of bowel, fluid filled with this mottled density within it. Feces sign. 
Another example, coronal in 3D. Classic feces sign in this patient with distal small bowel obstruction, very nicely shown. Look at the transition in the left side of the abdomen. And again, by changing the windows to this volume rendering or this image, you can see very nicely the mesenteric vessels, often the stretching or hyperemia of the vessels, but a very nice example of the feces sign. Or this example, right away you know something's wrong. Look at that small bowel, it's all in the left upper quadrant. And the wall's thickened, but it's not enhancing. That is ischemic bowel. And when you look at the images, you say, well, why is all the bowel on the left? That's classic for internal hernia. And in this case, internal hernia has a twist and leads to a mid-gut volvulus. That's a classic appearance. Here's the coronal. Look how the bowel is twisted in the left upper quadrant. That patient goes to surgery. They have 30 centimeters of bowel resected. You save the patient's life. There's also some ascites present. Um, sometimes you can see occlusion of mesenteric vessels, not always. Here the key finding is where is the bowel and look at the lack of bowel enhancement and look how it's kind of twisted and you see some ascites next to it. Just a spectacular example and here's two more images. When you talk about closed loop obstruction, we talk about internal or external hernia like this last case. This can lead to a volvulus and again impairment of venous flow uh, followed by arterial ischemia. The appearance just at times has this kind of classic kind of twist. See a U-shaped distended loops with the mesenteric vessels converging toward the site of obstruction, with the site of obstruction usually clear when you use multiplanar views. So a simple example, here's a patient with mid-gut volvulus. You see the dilated bowel, but look at it in the coronal view. Look how much nicer you can see those kind of loops of bowel tracking toward the right lower quadrant. This is a mid-gut volvulus, here it is again very nicely shown on the volume rendering and you can see the absolute transition in the right lower quadrant and here it is one more set of images so that's small bowel obstruction when we talk about internal hernias there are many other causes of small bowel obstruction and let me just mention one and why don't we pick it up here we talk about specific sites of small bowel obstruction uh, SMA syndrome is one of those good examples because the obstruction is by the SMA in the region of third to fourth portion of the duodenum is the obstruction. And why don't we pick it up next week from right here. With that, have a great day and uh, watch out for any volcano ash coming to a neighborhood near you any day. Thanks a lot.